Hello. The idea of this uh, particular episode of the podcast um, started, well, as most of them do start, with um, a discussion we had in private about uh, weird philosophers and that it would be interesting to find certain philosophers that we would do research on independently and then we would present them to each other and to you. So, uh, enjoy! And just a disclaimer, this is just touching the surface of the subject and we have just chosen six philosophers, um, three pre-Socratic and three modern philosophers and a lot of things have been rephrased so we can understand and reword it better um, for our own understanding. So obviously we will link everything down below to make it more easier for people to research into them more if the interest goes further than this episode. <laughs> Hopefully. I'll begin. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I chose the pre-Socratic and the Socratic uh, periods. Mm -hmm. I um, chose three guys. And the guy I decided to start on, which, to be fair, in comparison with the other guys, he's kind of mild. I, I felt like maybe I should have changed it, but my first guy is Pythagoras. <laughs> and uh, we obviously know Pythagoras because he's one of the most famous mathematicians and he came up with the method of the sum of the squares of the legs of a right triangle is equal to the square of a hypotenuse. Hmm. Um, did you fall asleep? No, I was, I was just actually thinking about a PTSD memory where the math teacher <laughs> would always ask us that fucking question at the beginning of every class. <laughs> I, I will never be able to forget it for as long as I live. I, I forgot it. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, I think I kind of know it in theory, but I don't know. Not in practice, oh, really. Oh, brother. Anyway. Give me a right triangle. <laughs> I'll find out the hypotenuse. <laughs> uh, okay, so he was a mathematician, but he was also a quite important philosopher as well. Because I chose my guys from pre-Socratic and the Socratic eras, it's rather hard to say how much is true. Most, like for example, in Pythagoras's uh, uh, case, uh, none of his original writings survived. Mm. Um, so is this just like what other people... Yes. It's mostly what other people wrote about him or legends. Mm -hmm. And sadly, that's mostly the case with the other guys as well. Okay, so why the hell did I choose Pythagoras? Well, Pythagoras was a cult leader. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> he was a cult leader. A cult uh, leader. A cult leader. Okay, just making sure I heard that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, he founded Pythagoranism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sounds legit. Uh, yeah, he named the cult after himself. Uh, the Pythagorean practices mm -hmm. and beliefs were 
not necessarily that unusual, uh, especially in regard to other religions. So as we come to know them. So does that mean that he was actually thinking to make this a religion? Um, or are you just comparing you it because you said compared to other religions? No, it 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 was a cult. Um. Which he was the he was a leader of a religious cult. Oh, is this a side where he was the? No, not it wasn't a side. It was very intertwined with um, him being a mathematician. All right. Because if you think of it, it's a, I'm sorry, in my head it doesn't really make sense because as a mathematician, you go and have concrete evidence and results, right? But as a religious person, it's more about belief? Well, not necessarily, because hmm. you have to remember that he was seen as this godlike persona because... He was one of the few people that truly understood maths mm-hmm. at that time. Okay, yeah. And he was able to explain certain things. And you have to put it in perspective because, you know, hearing, even today, hearing someone that gives you certain answers that you wouldn't be able to answer using today's science and you would see that person as, oh shit, <laughs> he might be something more than me. Especially back in a day where not everyone had access to going to school and education in general. Right. So what was his actual philosophy? You know what I mean? <laughs> what was he preaching um, from a philosophical point well, of view? to be part of his cult... You had to love math <laughs> in the most archaic way I can put it. You, it, it, it was obliged to study. And they had a very different way of thinking about numbers. They didn't think, of, like when you say a number, for example, give me a second because I wrote one example. When you say one, you think of just like, the quantity of mm-hmm. a thing. I have one grain of rice. But for them, number one was a symbol of unity. Mm. It symbolized God and the universe. It wasn't just a number. It had the ability to change the state of other numbers. Mm-hmm. So you, if you add one to an even number, it becomes odd. Yeah. And vice versa. Mm. And numbers were mostly seen as symbols. Yeah. Symbols you would use to explain the world. Just like math, because math in a way is explaining things through theories. Right, but it's it's very interesting to think about the fact that, oh shit, this guy had to, to start somewhere. Yeah. Like, we learned his theorem mm-hmm. in school in, what, 7th, 8th yeah. grade? Maybe even earlier than that. And it's just a given now. But he had to... He probably studied for years to yeah. find that and out. And no one told us he was a cold either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you do you want to get into his uh, practices? Yeah. 
they're not that as bad. As a cultist um, or as a as a cult leader or as a mathematician? Or is it just not even distinguished? It's the same thing? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's mostly the same okay. thing. They didn't really have a... a they wouldn't make a difference mm-hmm. between because it, it was just you had to be a mathematician mm-hmm. to be in his yeah. cult essentially yeah. so their beliefs uh consisted in uh, reincarnation yeah which honestly to me was surprising at first because i thought it was something more uh you know you you usually attribute it to uh, southeastern uh, beliefs mm-hmm. okay so they believed in reincarnation mm-hmm. which means that uh, after uh, death the soul of a man could be reincarnated in any living thing and uh, the story goes that one day um, Pythagoras was walking down the street and he saw some people beating a puppy and he begged them to stop because the soul of his best friend was reincarnated into the puppy Mm-hmm. He he swore that when the puppy screamed in pain, he could he- actually hear his friend's voice, voice. Mm-hmm. coming out of the puppy. So it was a big, big uh, no-no. He was on some strong mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing was vegetarianism. Eating an animal was forbidden yeah. due to the belief in reincarnation. You wouldn't eat your... If your grandma would reincarnate in a chicken, you wouldn't eat your grandma. So you weren't allowed to eat animals. Mm-hmm. And loving math. We we already sort of covered that. So if you had all of these... These were like requirements to get in the cult, weren't they? Well, not to get, but to be a part of it. You Yeah. You were obliged to respect mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. And to study, to dedicate your life to... Studying math. numbers. I mean, cult in general sound like a nightmare, but on top of that, to add math, I feel like that's on another level. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it. I think it's it's uh, it's interesting, you know, to to sort of because I don't necessarily think it's it 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 is a cult based in what we understand today, but sometimes we attribute these um when when you talk about a cult today you you think about all these uh, awful people that abused yeah um, their members yeah which it is you sort of have to um abuse power i think to qualify as a as a cult Call leader don't quote me on that <laughs> but you do need the uh, one person at the top which this obviously was. Yeah. Uh, one weird thing that he, Pythagoras, had this obsession with beans for some reason. As in they beans? Beans. As in fava beans? As in eating beans? Right. Like kidney beans? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. He had a very strange obsession with beans, and they were forbidden from consumption. You weren't allowed to eat beans. But they're the shit. They're so good. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. The, uh, the reason was because he believed that the flatulence beans induced after consumption, you would 
lose the breath of life in the process. <laughs> wow. That, that's the excuse I'm going to use from now on. Sorry, I can't have beans. I don't want to lose my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my breath of life. Oh, that life is stinky, though. Maybe maybe that was the reason. Maybe it was, oh, it you was just like, people. oh, can I not just put up with your farts? Can you just not eat beans and then just make up a whole <laughs> right. theory about it? <laughs> just so, like, people <laughs> around him wouldn't eat beans. <laughs> because people must have been really nasty back in the day. <laughs> And there is the legend of the day of his death regarding uh, the story with his problems with beans is that uh, one day he was followed by an angry mob and he couldn't escape them because he refused to go through a bean field. So he was oh, so he doesn't murdered. even want to touch them. Right. He was absolutely repulsed by touching beans, the plant. So he was killed? Yes, he was murdered. He was bludgeoned to death. Oh my god. But like it doesn't make sense because by touching them it doesn't give you flutulence. But then again, nothing else made sense. So <laughs> it just adds to it. So this was Pythagoras. See, it's like it's like he had this crazy brain for math, but then he had some shitty ideas about like how how can a logical person that comes up with some theories that can explain math, right? And then have, on the other side, have this, like, really weird ideas well, about beans. There's different, different types of sciences. Like, they didn't have any, well, not necessarily any, but they didn't have botany to explain. Because I think um, Aristotle came up with the classification of certain species mm -hmm. where he took uh, every type of plant that he could find and he sort of made these parameters in which he would classify them and he was uh, aristotle was much uh, later mm -hmm. than pythagoras so maybe they maybe he had an issue when he was little with <laughs> beans and he wasn't able and you're also talking about uh, Because you do read about, oh, this uh, wonderful uh, evolution in math and science at the time, and philosophy, obviously. Mm -hmm. But you're also talking about, like, at the time in, in Greece, they still worshipped in some way the Greek gods. Mm. So you, you're not talking about atheism yeah people still had beliefs yeah maybe it's just wrong on my side to compare the way we think about beans now and how much we know about beans <laughs> just to take the bean subject i can't get over it um compare that how i react to this to how back in the day you know as you said they weren't as like scientifically as forward i like to think that it 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 was an irrational fear. Mm -hmm. Like, if there was a field of beans, I doubt most people had a, f a fear of beans. I think it was just his problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, my next guy is uh, this one guy that I actually really, really like. Mm. He, he was kind of weird, but I really like him. 
Okay, so my next guy is Empedocles. Mm-hmm. Sounds he fancy. Was also a pre-Socratic. He had a very, let's say, romantic view of understanding the world and explaining it to others. Um, Empedocles sort of respected the the same rules that Pythagoreans did. He was a vegetarian, he believed in reincarnation, he believed that all living things were on the same spiritual plane, that the plants, animals, and humans represented links in the same chain, which is so interesting. So how come, how come he would still eat plants? Well, shit, he had to eat something. Come on. Mm-hmm. What, did you wanted him to just sit and look at the sky? No, but then you can't say that, oh yeah, plants are on the same level as me, but let me just commit murder. No. <laughs> just I, I, think, I think the point he's trying to make is he didn't necessarily believe the, the sort of that the human is is that much superior. superior. Yeah. You know, we're just... So we're far, all, I'm with him. I know, right? He's I like cool. him. He is considered to be the first pluralist in Greek philosophy, which means that he was also a poet, a medical doctor, a preacher, a mystic, a magician, a prophet. A wizard, a vampire, yeah. Right. (laughs) All the above. (laughs) He just named all the big blockbuster films. (laughs) Yes. I tried to find more on him being a magician, because I I was very confused. Like, he wasn't just making tricks like magical tricks he was pulling out the bunny out of a top hat um i did find however uh, (laughs) (laughs) he's mysticism beliefs which uh, was was more cosmology Mm -hmm. Uh, today he's actually most remembered for being the the man who discovered uh, that kind of sounds stupid i should rephrase it he discovered air it's not what he discovered. He he named the it chemical. as a as a no because they didn't have the the notion of chemicals back then. Mm. But he he's the first one who named air as a separate substance because if you think of it, you don't necessarily see it. No, yeah. So how would you come up? Because they had the elements, mm-hmm. water, fire. You see these things, but air is just something that exists. Um, in a way that you know you don't you you're not even you're not aware of its presence right you're not aware even of breathing sometimes yeah which is very interesting that he came up with the concept that hey you you know there's a fourth element which Mm -hmm. is air so that's what he did he named the four elements um, water fire earth and air Um, and he had this he had he had this theory that all these elements were influenced by two forces. Mm-hmm. And those forces were love and strife. Mm, I like him. <laughs> <laughs> strife were hatred. So love would uh, sort of bring the elements together and create objects. Mm-hmm. Like how um, in pottery you would mix water and earth and then you would to mold it and then you would bake it with fire and then you would let it cool in in air yeah so each component had its, its right because 
because uh, they were elements uh, of which everything was created, even even people to a certain degree. You know, blood, they would see it as a liquid, so it was mm -hmm. water. I'm pretty sure even metal, you know, because you, you melt it to yeah. make weapons and yeah. everything. So met metal was considered a liquid, so water. So all these things were would be brought together by love. Yeah. So if love would bring the elements together, then strife would, was responsible for, yes, for keeping them apart. And uh, these forces obviously would influence people as well. You know, love brings people together and strife keeps them apart. Yeah. I like it. It's very simple and innocent. I don't know. It's very clear and straight to the point. And sort of, I mentioned earlier that it was romantic, but... Romantic, yeah. I, I genuinely thought of it as, as very poetic. Yeah. Because he would have certain poems that he would write and he would uh, dedicate the, his poems to the muses. You know, the, the Greek goddesses of poetic inspiration that they were um, deities of, of song, dance, memory, something else. I feel like his way of explaining the world is how you would explain it to a child. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So it's like, oh yeah, we have all these elements and you have love and fire <laughs> and love and hate. And then you can either make something or break something. <laughs> it's right. kind of cute. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really is cute. And you, you, it would work as a pretty good explanation for a very young child today. Like if you have yeah. a toddler, he asks all these weird questions and you don't want to get it into, you know, let me tell you how something is formed where babies come from <laughs> um, it would be a very easy explanation and you know we have love and we have hate yeah mm -hmm. i like him yeah so far um he gets he gets my points <laughs> <laughs> okay so now that you like him <laughs> oh no don't ruin it <laughs> um please don't he was a little unusual and mm. uh, for for starters uh, he had a killer fashion sense. Oh, fashion that's fine. Style, yeah, that's fine. Was... I thought he did something much more horrible. <laughs> no, he was—he wasn't a dick. Well, not as far as I know. He—he he was just weird. He did believe he was a god. Oh God, okay. <laughs> Which I—I I believe that sort of came from the same um, place where Pythagoras came up with his ideas of hey i i can explain all this shit with my numbers so i must be a god yeah so okay so let me tell you how this guy would dress day to day oh, no. he came up for money he would wear a purple robe a golden belt and bronze shoes and he would also have this weird thing on his head mm -hmm. so his point was that he actually wanted to attract attention Mm -hmm. He was sort of a uh, walking advertisement. Oh, is it because like, people would see him and then they would be like, hey, why are you dressed like this? And then he would start preaching. Exactly. Mm. Mm. Smart. So, and uh, he 
thought he was a god, but the good news was that you can also be a god. <laughs> oh, God. If you did uh, whatever he preached. Well, it was sort of that, that whole love and strife thing. And you would have to obtain from certain things um, to reach the stature of God. Because I think he he believed that every person was a god at one point, but due to... Reincarnation? Um, no, due to doing bad shit, oh. they sort of... So the, the, down. the cure for that was to do good shit. Because that's also the, um, the reincarnation thing. Because the idea of reincarnation... You don't want to be reincarnated. Because mm -hmm. that would mean a, a cycle that can never be broken. You would leave your lives over and over and over again. And the, the only way to break that cycle would be to live a life of thought and to withhold from certain things, like eating meat, for example. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it make more sense that if you didn't want to keep being reincarnated... To sin more, <laughs> or is what? it because is it because you sin more because you live a life of sin that you will get reincarnated to get you get to live another life and yes do better. Well, oh, not necessarily because okay. yes, you do get a second chance, which is nice, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure you you can only break that cycle by being human. Which mm. is not necessarily a guarantee that you will be human in your next life. Oh, in your next life. Okay, yeah. Because you have to do all these things, you know. You have to, like in Buddhism, you have to meditate and yeah. be very disciplined and mm -hmm. to break that chain. Mm -hmm. I mean, just dressing up like that is not that odd. Because I understand there's a scope behind why he dressed like that. Anything else that he did that was weird? <laughs> Um, well, the weirdest thing that he did was because he thought he was a god, which apparently wasn't that unusual at the time, in order to prove that he was a god, he jumped into Mount Etna, which at the time was an active volcano. Yeah. So he jumped into the volcano. And he died? Well, <laughs> do you really think he was a god? No. Pretty sure he died. No one found him? He just... He jumped into the volcano. Who would go to look I for him? I don't know. Maybe they could look down and see. If, <laughs> if he died. <laughs> oh, wow. Why do they all have such weird deaths? Someone died because they didn't want to walk through a field of beans. And they got beaten to death. Someone just jumped into a volcano to prove that they're God. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next uh, guy gonna do? I'm also Find very, out. Very, <laughs> I'm very confused on what he was supposed to prove. Like, was he supposed to prove that he was immortal, uh, that he wouldn't die because he would he jumped and he would live? How mm -hmm. or what? I think that was the point. Look at me. I'm gonna jump and not die, and that will prove you that I'm God. So, but, but in the scenario that he would have jumped and he wouldn't have died what, what, what would happen what people would believe him no one jumps into a volcano and survives but he would still be in the volcano 
Like, oh. did they, did the people that came up with him to the volcano when he jumped, did they wait for him to come back? <laughs> he probably said, witness me rise back. So he would like fly. <laughs> he would just like the volcano would just push him back up. Because if he's God and if he's like in touch with nature, nature would support him back. Well, that's kind of shitty, because if the volcano would just spit him out, wouldn't he hurt the people that weren't gods? I don't think he thought of that mm. much. <laughs> he didn't think that much further. <laughs> <laughs> he was, okay, so listen to me, guys. I'm going to jump, and it's going to be <laughs> fun. <laughs> you just watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too bad there were no, like, phones so they can take pictures and... Yeah, now you would find him on YouTube. Look at this fucking idiot jumping into a volcano. How old were they both when they died? Were they pretty old? I think so. I think Pythagoras was older. Like, he was at a senior age. I don't know. I, I sort of think that he knew <laughs> he, he would die. Yeah, so he's like, might as well go out and on my terms. Yeah, because mm -hmm. maybe... He knew he would die, so he sort of, you know, go out in a blaze of glory yeah. to live the people that would witness it with mm -hmm. sort of this impression. I mean, I liked him initially, and then he kind of went bonkers the other way, so I mm. don't know. I like the things that he lived by, with the main thing being that animals and humans and plants were all on the same level, and the romantic way of viewing the world. I like that. I'm glad. <laughs> Now, what's the third one? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this disgusting fucker. My third guy is Diogenes. Um, he was... He is also referred as uh, Diogenes the Cynic. Um, he was the... Well, he was one of the founders of uh, Cynic philosophy, which didn't... Well... Cynic at the time didn't necessarily mean what it means today. Uh, it meant to live a cynic life, meant to live in agreement with nature. Sort of what the other guys preached, but not um, as... Well, you'll see. Go on. <laughs> so he was one of the founders of the cynic philosophy, but he took it and he put it on steroids. Oh, no. <laughs> um... He he was exiled, I think, in his youth, maybe. Well, he wasn't that old, but he was exiled from uh, Sinope. And uh, people believed and report that that was the main driving force of his belief. Mm -hmm. So because he had to leave in exile, he was poor, he was homeless, and uh, he decided to live his life in disregard of luxury but also in disregard of laws and customs that could uh, be considered conventional mm -hmm. and that was for him that was the way to achieve uh, true freedom right um sort of like the hippie you you could say that uh, diogenes was the original hippie <laughs> flower power and peace, peace man Because I think you can, it's actually a fad today to live self-sufficiently, to build those tiny homes yourselves. Yeah. You know, the, the ones in old school buses. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, also secondhand shopping. 
is very very popular today so maybe you can say he was revolutionary mm-hmm. okay so what was the problem with this guy well he was a bum he lived years of his life wandering from city to city he was very dirty and repulsive not necessary not necessarily because he was a bum but he did everything in public he did his business in public oh no that meaning that he urinated in public and the other thing in public and the other other <laughs> thing in public <laughs> he sometimes walked backwards to confuse people yeah makes sense throw right. them off a bit <laughs> <laughs> they were like oh what the fuck what's the what, what is this glitch in the matrix <laughs> right he would constantly challenge norms and conventions mm-hmm. so that was the main reason why people hated him mm-hmm. not because he was in disagreement with everything but i think it was mostly because he was dirty and disgusting mm-hmm. and people started calling him a dog which uh, the name cynic the the word cynic comes from the greek word for dog. Ah. He is depicted in many works of art as living in a wine barrel. Um, <laughs> he was a beggar and he would practice begging in front of statues okay. so that he wouldn't be disappointed when someone would refuse him. So remind me again why is he great? <laughs> why is he well, one of the great philosophers? He came up with this philosophy because uh, he wasn't the he started a movement for lack of a better term mm-hmm. there were many people that lived like him after he popularized it she's more of a because i don't know philosophers i feel like they throw out an idea and the way of thinking but not a lot of a lot of people at least nowadays i don't know maybe from my perspective and the environment i live in it's like they throw an idea i read about it and i'm like hmm cool but like i don't know if people actually adopt it and live through that do you know what i mean well to be to be fair because I... for him is more of a movement like the actions he's actually doing rather than thought and a way of think i mean it is a way of thinking because you're sure is thinking and it, to and do it that is, uh considering the things i said before with people living self-sufficiently and in tiny homes and secondhand shopping and sort of uh, opposing capitalism yeah. I, i would say that out of the three guys i talked about he he is one of the most um out there oh, uh, no the his ideas can be and are applied today today yeah not to the not necessarily to the extent that he did mm-hmm. well sort of in the 70s the hippie movement was pretty much the same thing mm-hmm. you know i i don't want to live in the conventions of the state i'm in i don't abide by any laws i don't agree with um your social rules mm-hmm. so i will live free in my way okay i see it he had this which i think it's important this uh, question everything mm-hmm. mentality trust like, no one why do <laughs> right <laughs> mm-hmm. why do we do a certain thing a certain way why do we hold jobs why do we live in homes 
well, there are obvious reasons to it. I like my comfort. Yeah. Kind of like detaching. And Maybe not. that was his point. Maybe you weren't supposed to be too comfortable. Because mm-hmm. you wouldn't be free if you would live in... Because your, your happiness would be dictated by whether you are comfortable or not. Yeah, yeah. I'm much happier when I'm home than when I'm at work. Because <laughs> I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> See, if you didn't have a home and you didn't have work, work you would I wouldn't be have much to worry about better. it. Yeah. Right. I agree. I'm going to quit tomorrow. <laughs> He he was a pretty interesting guy. The only thing that I I, I doubt people can agree with is the whole hygiene yeah, problem. Yeah, I mean, and sort of peeing and masturbating in public. Uh, nay. Okay, now question: How did he die? Oh, I don't know how he died. Uh, maybe he just got the plague or some shit. Yeah, maybe he just died from like a toe infection. <laughs> right. That just spread all know. over. I do have one thing that I found very cute, sort of uh, a legend that uh, says that one day Alexander the Great offered to Diogenes everything he wanted and all he had to do was name it. Diogenes, I will give you whatever you want, you just say it in order to sort of prove his point that Dude, you can't live like this. Yeah. You've got to want something. You have something that, yeah, you want. Right. And I am Alexander the Great, and I can give you anything. Mm-hmm. And the answer that Diogenes gave was that all he wanted was to Alexander to get out of his sunshine. Yeah, I mean, apart yeah. from all the shit things he did, that was cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another that was point, pretty cute. knowing that Alexander the Great, he's just saying this to prove a point. He was probably smart enough to be like, I'm not going to satisfy him by saying anything, even though I want something, you know? Could have been a case of that as well. It's like the like the pettiness of not giving in to this person yeah. that I think is so great. It was, maybe it was petty on both of Both sides. Their, <laughs> the. Okay, so one thing I always like to do is to look at the to look at the School of Athens mm-hmm. by Raphael. You know the fresco mm-hmm. at Vatican City with those guys on the stairs and mm-hmm. it's a crowd. And uh, I like to look at it and identify the guys I read about. Yeah. So if you look at the fresco, you you can see Diogenes is right in the middle of the painting. And he's the guy that's slouching on the steps. Mm, the one in blue. Yeah. Yeah. That's Diogenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pythagora is uh, on the lower left, writing in something in his book. Yeah. And he's surrounded by a lot of guys that look there like they're trying to copy his homework. Yeah. What about the other, the third guy? Uh, he's not in the oh, fresco. Right. Who are the two main guys in the middle? That's uh, Aristotle and Plato. Mm. And it's very interesting that the movements, is sort of their body language. Uh, yeah, Plato is the old guy, the guy in red, mm-hmm. that he's pointing at the sky. And he was very interesting because that's sort of Plato's belief that all the answers can be found up there, mm-hmm. you know, sort of looking up. And uh, Aristotle's belief is is sort of holding his hand parallel to the earth. Mm -hmm. And he believed that all the answers that they were looking for would be found on earth. On earth, yeah. That was very eye-opening. From beans (laughs) 
to public exposure, to jumping into a volcano. Very compelling stories. <laughs> That's right. all I got from it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Well, to be fair, that's mostly <laughs> what people know. I didn't know those things. I just knew of the Pythagoras theory and um, that's it. <laughs> well, yeah, because we learned about him in a math environment. We yeah. didn't necessarily... We, we didn't study him in philosophy that much. Yeah. Which is stupid. What did, what did we study in philosophy? Not this. Okay. So the first guy I picked was Nietzsche. He is a German philosopher and he's mainly known for criticizing religion. <laughs> right. Like the traditional European morality and the religion and um, their conventional philosophical ideas. And he wanted to expose false consciousnesses that infected people's received ideas. Now, this is a lot of confusing <laughs> words, right? <laughs> to be exact, right? Right. <laughs> well, he was infamous for constantly criticizing the traditional European morals and the foundation of, and what the foundation of Christianity was based upon, which meant that the religious faith as well as many other aspects from what you would consider the base of morality. Right. So the base of your religious faith, as well as the base of what you consider as moral, they weren't like autonomous to yourself, to your oneself. So he basically wanted to tell you that you can't really have a moral code without being influenced by a religious body like if you take right, the, I get it. people are born inherently bad kind of or at least yes. immoral yes so during that time when he came with this uh, idea oh, wait a second so he wasn't an atheist he was a theist he believed in god no he no he was an atheist right a lot of european of like european intellectuals at that time they all believed that their moral code was individual from any religion. So they thought they weren't influenced by any religion to create their own moral code. But he was like, you're so naive and you don't even understand how much influenced you are. But you say you're not. What do you mean exactly when you say moral code? Where does your compassion come from? Where does the feeling of wrongdoing right like how how can you tell that the notion you have of compassion is not from what religion told you it is okay so why 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 did he give that much credit to religion i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a little bit counterproductive because you're uh, sort I of think... saying oh i i don't believe in a god he literally said, he launched the idea that God is dead. So he literally said, God is dead. Yeah, but what, what does and that then mean? When I was researching this, I came upon a bunch of confusing words <laughs> <laughs> that were linked to form a more confusing sentence. And then I had to read like a lot of times to understand. So he believed that our standard moral code and commitment yeah. lacked the foundation we thought we had. 
So we thought we had a foundation for our moral code when in actuality it wasn't there. But what did we think our foundation was? So the foundation was the Bible. Um, this is when majority of people were very highly religious, right? right? In the 1800s. This is in the 1800s. So if you had to take that unquestionable authority of the Bible away... If you took that, that our morals would prove to have no actual ground base and to actually be harmful to us. Our morals? It's very confusing, I know. That's why I want to discuss this with you, because I don't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely confused, because I think it's very counterproductive to... I, I get it that he, he thought that people aren't born good. Like, it's not... You develop your moral compass you don't you're not born good what it sounds like to me he, he thought that people were born bad immoral you didn't have the same you you don't have empathy you don't have idea of what right and wrong means so i get that but what i don't get is why would he give that much credit to to religion right as an atheist i think because it's a society aspect, religion is a very much society, because another point he made was that if you compare two countries, like if you compare two continents, even two countries, they're very, they're, there are slight or even big moral differences, right? Like let's take the subject of eating meat, eating cow, you are okay with eating beef, right? But in another society that is deemed as morally wrong. Right. Do you get it? So if you take those out, if you take the aspect, because eating uh, beef in another country is considered immoral from religious points of view, right? What country are we talking about? Is it India that they don't eat beef? Uh, oh, yeah, I think that's that's it. Yeah. Right. So due to religious beliefs. Okay. Uh, keep going. It, that, that was it. That was just his theory that without the religious aspects, our morals would be maybe not even there. No, that's not, well, that's not unusual. That's just the downer. Yeah. Because <laughs> I get the point. Because it, it is, it was used as a form of organizing masses, which you needed at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But he's kind of an annihilist, so he's he likes to make himself miserable. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to. I think he just wanted to suffer. I think he was, yeah, he was literally known as a nihilist, even though he wanted to counteract that, you know, reputation. I think I got what he was about. I just didn't understand. Like he didn't what, really what want he to seek the truth. He didn't really want to seek the truth from what critics believe. Of him, he was just wanting to. In the end, when he got this reputation of a nihilist, so he wanted to be like, nah. -uh. <laughs> I will adopt so like, all the puppies in the world. No, he was like, oh no, I'm actually just embracing people to deconstruct their morals and reconstruct them in a better way. Kind of like that was what he was after. Well, I get that i'm just not sure how was i supposed to get from whatever he was saying to you know just start questioning my morals like where do and it's not it, i think 
Because I think when I hear, maybe I'm wrong, but when I hear morals, I think of something that's very universally believed as being wrong. So why would I start to question why my society condemns murder? Okay, maybe not universally known things, but maybe more specific things. Like if you think women's rights, for example, in certain countries, you know, you might not question that aspect because you have rights. But maybe he was trying to reach someone else. Does that qualify as, qualify as moral? Maybe, yeah, maybe it would have helped to know what exactly he was referring to. Because it's very general. Because right. I went to the extreme, to the universal thing. I don't necessarily think it's helpful to... Well, not, not helpful, but what would I get out of questioning why it's bad to hurt people? I, I do think, though I'm not sure if I'm applying it correctly in this situation, but I do think about... Uh, the discourse of systemic racism, that it's so, sort of built in the system and it's and even internalized racism when, where, when you don't even realize that you yeah. are racist or you have racist behaviors. Like we've talked about people that we know from a country that's not as exposed to other races. Right. That would make a joke and not realize it's racist and just thinking oh it's just a joke i didn't mean it in a harmful way but then from this other perspective it did come across as harmful but they don't know that yeah and you do need um... so do they need to re deconstruct their morals and that's not okay <laughs> what right. they're doing but they think they're doing nothing wrong yeah and and you do need sort of what he was preaching which is introspection yes look inside yourself and find out why certain things are the way they are and change them because i think a lot of people think that they're in the right even though they do wrong things like just taking this this example of being racist and it's it's complicated because you can't make them it's difficult to make them understand that they're being wrong when in their eyes they are correct you know like i'm not doing anything wrong it was a harm, harmless joke right so how about just everyone do some self inspection that's the the moral Maybe that's what, of, of this story of the story yeah everybody needs a little introspection yeah that was nietzsche now my next guy is david hume a scotsman oh so he grew up very religious during the Calvinist era in Scotland. And um, his parents kind of forced him to go into like the legal field. And he was like, nah, this is too boring. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go to even more boring stuff. Philosophy. <laughs> hey, watch I'm it. joking. <laughs> then later on, he moved to France where he... Uh, because he was so constrained during his childhood, he kind of like, when he moved, he was like, nah, I'm doing what I want. So he moved to France. Oh, because he had a religious background or? Yeah, he was very, right. it was very strict when he was growing up. So he moved, he moved to France and then he started offending people in France. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that hard to By do. By cri criticizing religion again, another guy that criticizes religion. He criticized his own religion that he was raised in. 
and any other religion that was out there. And um, he tried to apply for a lot of like schooling positions so he could be a teacher, but because of his outspoken criticisms, no school was like, "Mm -mm, we don't want you here. (laughs) We don't want you like brainwashing our kids Mm. with your non-religious views. (laughs) With your reason. Mm. (laughs) Be careful there. (laughs) (laughs) So he then focused more on philosophy and he kind of started um, focusing on the human nature and um, studying the human nature from kind of a scientific point of view. So what's the science behind the human nature? Okay. And he wanted, he thought that by explaining the human nature scientifically, therefore we can explain all the other sciences that the human has invented like math politics all the other sciences don't they explain themselves or maybe he was just trying to find the how we got yeah there. how did we get there all yeah. right yeah like how could humans create that maybe hmm. be capable of that okay so he noticed that most philosophers before him would use hypotheticals so he wanted more to observe and explain the human nature through um from from like experience oh okay from like oh i'm doing this this happens so he was genuinely looking for a scientific method in philosophy yeah yeah for literally like a scientific explanation Right. He wanted to exclude any religious views and reasons why people would do that, like why people would consider murder, as you've said before, why would why do people consider murder wrong from a non-religious point of view? Right. So he wanted to find morality outside religion. Well, at least this guy is a little more uplifting. He believes there is morality outside Mm. religion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not questioning morality. He's just like... He just wants to understand how thought works. Right. He he got a lot of inspiration from Newton. And that's why his approach was more practical based on actual fact. It's very interesting. Maybe maybe he he didn't he shouldn't have studied philosophy. Maybe he should have went into actual science. Right. It sounds like a very different approach. Yeah. He basically just wanted facts and proof, like physical proof. He hoped to succeed in examining the mind, the way that Newton explained the power that governs the planets, and not by attributing this power to a supernatural source, but by actually finding explanation through math and physics and all that. But then again, if you think of it... So would he use... Yeah, wouldn't he use medicine? Yeah, he's using all these... (laughs) He's using all these sciences that the human... Maybe it's kind of like a backward thing where you use the end to explain the beginning. I get that, but I'm I'm confused. I, I I'm very confused about how was he going about it. Well, I'm gonna tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not done. 
I'll be patient. It's okay. So he wanted to find the laws, literally like Newton, finding laws by which the human mind functions. Right. And he called these mind actions as perceptions and how they combine and create even more complex perceptions, which are known as thought, belief, feeling and action. Okay. Thought, belief, feeling and action, these are all known as perception. That's how he called them. I see. Like kind of like a general... Yeah, like an umbrella Umbrella term. term. Yes. And he thinks that all of these are connected and influenced by the experience we've had. No, no shit. Like all the experiences through life. So kind of like it's influenced by where you how you like where you grew like all the uh, these outside factors and um all you've been through oh so maybe he was maybe he was studying psychology he didn't know it because um he gets into like terms and which i'm I'm not getting too detailed but these ones are the ones that I actually found interesting. So, you know, like we ta- we talked about perceptions. When did this guy live? In the 1700s. Oh, so he was way before psychology. Freud was born in 1856, so much later. So Nietzsche was more of a Freudian boy. <laughs> I don't know what that means, and I doubt I want to. <laughs> Did you like to talk about his mom? Who, Nietzsche? <laughs> Don't answer. Okay, back to him. So, perceptions, right? <laughs> right, perceptions. So, they're divided, they're, they divide into two. He divided them into two sections, which are impressions and ideas. Impressions are like sensations, desires, passions, and emotions. Okay, it makes sense. So those are impressions. And then ideas are the faint images of all of the above. Oh. Okay, let me let me give you an example. So the difference between the impressions and ideas, so it's the difference between the feeling of pain when you actually, when you stab your toe in right. the corner of the sofa, that's an impression because right. it's pain. You okay. feel the pain, the sensation of pain. And then the idea is remembering. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. I get it. Do you get it? Yeah. <laughs> And um, oh, so it was sort of because the first category was um, how would you call them reflexes? It's about yeah, and it's also about and then the second one is more the idea of them. Yeah, the but that's thought. A very weird way. Yeah, the thought of it of that emotion. Okay, kind of like that. It, it gets much more complicated. <laughs> but Does this it is, get weird? I didn't actually go that far into researching these guys but this is kind of the way in which he wanted to literally scientifically analyze the mind and human nature it's very interesting it's, it's interesting he literally wanted to explain the human just like newton explained the planets and the movements and that but he kind of wanted to explain the thought that way like how we think maybe right i think find it interesting because he does sound like he was looking for psychology Mm. but in a little like there is method in psychology you would apply certain procedures to have a certain outcome but i'm more confused like what what exactly was he looking for because is it because i'm not sure if it's medical if it like he would actually want to watch two neurons no 
I didn't think so. Sort of. It was more of the idea of thought and how how do we get thoughts? Like, what's the mechanism behind that? Because it's not neurological, is it? I think that's what he wanted to find out. Because I'm like, do I get the thought of wanting to stab myself with the scissors from where? <laughs> From you lost me. No, but like, okay, so hmm, let's say the impulse. You know the impulse of when you're, maybe you haven't lived it, but I know people that do. When they're on the edge of a building, they feel the impulse to jump. Right. Where is that coming from? Maybe that's well, what he wanted to explain. I'm not entirely sure. It's 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 not I want to jump. It's just vertigo, isn't it? No, some people want to jump. Is it curiosity? Is it what? Not even getting to what the feeling is. It's like why? Why am I getting this feeling? Like what's the mechanism in my brain? Mind. It's not a brain thing. It's a mind thing. Okay, so he was looking for psychology then. Yes, I think so. He he didn't. He didn't have an interest, a medical interest no, in it. No, he didn't mention any medical terms. Right. But he called it philosophy. I get it, I think. Your your guy was looking for psychology and he didn't <laughs> even know it. But psychology is a much recent science. And that's what, what I find interesting. Is that this guy was, what, two centuries apart before psychology was a thing? That's very interesting. The 20th century was a very interesting time period because I think due to two world wars, life moved very fast. Yeah. Oh god, the last guy I've got is Danish and um, his name, I'm not going to pronounce his whole name, just one name. This one name I'm going to pronounce is Kierkegaard. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we gotta find him a nickname. No. <laughs> Well, his first name is Zuren, so I think that could be easier. Z, let's say Mr. Z. Uh, it's an S, actually. S, Mr. S. Mm -mm. It's fine, I can say Kierkegaard. <laughs> yeah, but I can't. <laughs> you don't have to, just say this Danish guy. <laughs> okay, this Danish guy. Um, so he's like on the opposite spectrum from Nietzsche and him. He's quite... Oh, thank God. He's quite religious. Oh. Yes. On... <laughs> Never mind. Well, he... Literally. Thank God. <laughs> he had a lot of philosophies, but I focused on this just as a contrast from the other two guys. And I'm also finding people's philosophies about religion interesting. So he also had some psychology and fiction involved in his works, which I'm not no. gonna get into, but just as a just as a background. He reminds me of someone. Yeah, same. <laughs> 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 so he wanted to renew the faith of Christians and he's known as the father of existentialism. Okay, right. So he was constantly asking himself, why, why am I here? Did God put me here? And for what purpose? Yeah, he's also um, known for uh, rebranding all the biblical figures to kind of uh, match the modern times. So he kind of tried to make them even...
even more relevant to the public. But not really, because we'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He said he wanted to, but then his philosophy is like, all right, guy. He was not a traveled philosopher. He was just chill in his flat in Copenhagen. He did travel a bit, but he was just mainly... If anything, he would go and start up conversations with strangers on the street when he would just walk. So his personal life, because of his father and fiance uh his um personal life affected his work quite a bit like it would come through his work he wanted the previous philosophers to be i think he wanted them to be seen not separate from his work from their work because a lot of times he said that philosophers would preach the complete opposite of what their life actually looks like oh so he was like don't separate the two i don't know if i agree with that no because i'm like uh, do what the preacher says not what the preacher does it's like a very (laughs) well known (laughs) (laughs) and it's also you are allowed to come up with good ideas and not respect them yeah apply them to your life that's based on human nature which is fine i guess in a way it's kind it of is hypocritical. hypocritical. Yeah. It is. I mean, if you're aware that you're hypocritical, then okay. But that doesn't really hold your case much. You know, like if you're trying to preach me something that you're not even applying to yourself, how do you expect me to follow you and yeah. apply that? If you yeah, yourself right. are not. It just sounds like diagenetics. Di- di- <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. You want to... Give that another take? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine if people don't understand what I'm saying and referring to. Okay, so going back to his religious point, he mainly wanted to prove to people... So he didn't want to make religion easy for people to understand. He didn't want to make it as accessible. Mm, I don't know if that's the right word. He basically just wanted to make people realize that the distance between the frail humans is very immense to God. So God is unreachable. That's how big of a deity he is. Oh, brother. That he, you need to, like, he, God is the only one that could save your life. Okay. So um, he wanted to make people realize that by the simple fact of just thinking about how people can sin and that God doesn't sin and he's the only one that could forgive people's sins and wash them off of their sins. And he wanted to make people realize that through this, through this fact that he's the only one able to make us without sin and good, to make us realize that he's that good. That he's that big of a... He's literally... He's God, but like... Yeah, you say, yeah, yeah. God, but he kind of wanted to make people understand that it's much more than that. But how is this philosophy? It sounds like a, a very intense preacher. He was very religious. I think maybe he used methods of philosophy to explain this type of religious thing. <laughs> oh, God. You have anything else? This guy sounds very boring. He thought about the notions of good and evil and that again going back to morals yeah that was a big that was a big thing with philosophers wasn't it let's take the case of uh, murder only god can say if that murder was 
good or evil. So our social, socially accepted morals don't really matter if God decides something else, basically. Huh? Then how the fuck do I know I'm doing the right thing? He just told me, oh, it doesn't matter. You have your morals, but well, you might be wrong, you dick. Yeah, there was an example I didn't really get into. You Maybe you know anything about Abraham? I remember, this was fucking bullshit. God gave him a son, right? And then God was like, well, you know that son that I gave you? It would be a shame if something would happen to him. So he makes Abraham, he asks him to take him to whatever place where he has to sacrifice Isaac, his son. And it would be sort of, this is how you prove your loyalty and belief in me. So through this Abraham story... Right. Because God makes him basically murder his son, right? Well, I don't think he does murder him. Wait, give me a second. He doesn't. He doesn't kill his son. He was really ready to fucking murder that kid, but he didn't do it because the angel came and said, Yo, homie, we were just kidding. Through the Abraham story... Right. Kierkegaard. That guy. He basically wants to prove that... That would... Socially, it would be considered... Very immoral, right? To kill your own son. Right. But because God asked you to, then any social norms are thrown out of the window. I see. Even though he didn't in the end, it was just a test. Oh my God, why does God sound like a girlfriend? Like a (laughs) psychotic, possessive girlfriend? (laughs) Why? Do you understand? I think so, but I hate it. Yeah. And again, it's like, oh, have you got morals? Well, check them out the window because they don't matter in this philosophy. <laughs> if God doesn't feel like they matter today, then they don't. So it was funny because he's like being religious. So he's trying to convince me to believe what he believes. Yeah. But then he's proving the same point as Nietzsche. And yeah, nothing matters. Which was who was... And <laughs> he literally said God is dead. So I'm like, what are you trying to prove? <laughs> Well, I personally just find these theories interesting to read about. And the only thing I I can think of is people had so much time on their hands to just read and study and come up with these ideas that I I could never. How do you not get mentally exhausted? Nietzsche kind of, he got really bad in the end. Oh, well, then that's your answer. That's why he had such a hard time. He had issues. Yeah, but what about these other two guys? The Danish guy seemed like he had a blast. He was like, well, (laughs) fuck, nothing matters. God decides. Basically, yeah. I just like reading about it. So I'm like, yeah. they just lived in a completely different reality. Just the fact that every day I just realize it hits me and I look at people on the street. It's kind of like usually you don't care. You're like, yeah, I'm living my life and these are just items moving around me, right? But then you mm-hmm. you just look at them and it's like everyone has their own life and everyone has their own reality and they think their reality is the correct one. Everyone. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I think that and I'm like, no, that's a bit too much thing for me today just just take a break (laughs) i think i do though i don't agree with the concept of oh they have a different reality they do have their own lives yeah and i think that's what trips me out sometimes as well yeah because i i look at people and i realize like that oh i had to eat my breakfast and brush my teeth and have three mental breakdowns today oh no they probably had to do something similar 
which is very interesting. It's interesting because you experience life just from your own point of view. Yeah. And you can absolutely use empathy to understand other people, but your understanding can only go so far. So far. Yeah, because I'm like, I have all these issues that I deal with in my life. And then I'm thinking everyone has issues. So then I'm like, at that point, I just start panicking. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with everyone else's issues. Why am I thinking about this? That's why I would never be a philosopher. So go insane. <laughs> really, I think I, I personally find it quite humbling. It puts things in perspective. It does, but at the same time, it's not solving my issues. Well, no, but... It's the it could be worse thing. I, I know. It's I, I find comfort to know that I'm not alone in my pain. That people, other people experience it as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, let's say the that there was just one person that in the world that was blind kind of like that right yeah it's just sometimes it's a lot i do find it sort of scary to be too long with my own thoughts yes that's why we have tiktok <laughs> yeah i don't like being alone with my own thoughts for more than five minutes it's a long time a long time i just don't do it it's interesting though because it doesn't it's not just a, a big part of it is observing you have to look at the world outside of you to come up with the answers to certain questions that you might ask yourself so i don't think it's just oh i i sit in my office with the doors and the windows closed and i just think about why am i here obviously what is my to... purpose Obviously, you have to read other people's experiences and thoughts to come up with your own. I think I think I would like it. To be a philosopher? I, I, I do think... I, well, yes, but because I do like the study part mm. of it, the research, reading about what people... You know, sort of how, how do they come up with all this ideas yeah even I like if you that. don't agree with any of them that's why I, I just love reading about like all the views different views about this well-known worldwide subject of religion is everywhere i just love knowing what other people think about it and their philosophies on it because even though let's say there's a lot of people being that are christian every interpretation of that could be different depending on who you're asking i agree i've really actually enjoyed doing this study for this oh i'm glad i like it a lot maybe we can also mention that well, this is a very broad subject yes and uh, we what we discussed six guys and maybe we can come back to the subject one yeah. day to talk about some other guys because also the the term weird is very subjective they were unusual based on the norms back then that too but also what we personally thought meant unusual yeah it's very subjective so maybe the listeners can suggest some other guys we can discuss okay thank you bye <laughs>